1: Hello and welcome to the Thursday edition of Football and Grits. I am your host, David Oven, joined by my co-hosts, Mitch Light Uh, I am the Athletics Tennessee writer Mitch is one of our editors Uh, Appreciate you guys listening Appreciate you guys subscribing Thanks for uh, making the show um, Better, growing the show Keep doing that, leave us a review, leave us a rating Uh, Tell a friend It all helps, uh, the show Just before we started recording Sports Illustrated drops uh, A pretty big story, Mitch Uh, LSU Has self-imposed some sanctions based on a handful of things mainly uh that uh, there was $180,000 given to a, a, the father of a player for a no-show job over 5 years and then of course the infamous odell beckham junior uh handing out and you can't see me I'm making air quotes fake money on the on the field at the national championship game it turns out Mitch they did admit this shortly after it turns out That their explanation of fake money, which made no sense ever, was not true. That was money. He has been banned from basically being around the program for two years. Um, But you look at their sanctions: four scholarships over the next two years, total of eight. Uh, You know, that's you know, that's what eighty-one scholarships a year that you have down from down from eighty-five. Some recruiting sanctions: uh, twenty-one day reduction of the normal 168 days of allowable off-campus contacts. Uh, A great job here by Pat Forty and Ross Dellinger at Sports Illustrated. Off the top, that's not going to be enough. (laughs) Uh, You know, the NCAA and their sanctions are a little bit unpredictable, but $180,000 to a player's dad for a no-show double over five years, that's a good chunk of change. And eight scholarships and some mild recruiting restrictions – is not going to be enough. Um, that's my main sort of thought when we first you know, first saw this and read this. What did you make of, of this uh, messy story in a messy year? I, I agree
2: us, 100%. You say messy story in a messy year, and we'll get to that in just a minute, that the year can't be going mm-hmm. worse basically from a, a football standpoint. And on the Odell thing – I think it would take more effort to have that much fake money than real money if you're Odell. Like, I don't know if I could get that much cash in that quickly, but, like, Odell clearly has it. It would take a lot of effort to get fake money. Like, would you make it on your computer and print it off and copy it? Like, that's. I
1: appreciated the audacity of the completely ridiculous, like, assertion. And I think. Uh you know Joe Burrow pretty quickly after was like no it was it was real money and I think Odell I think he might have been clear if he had been a little more judicious of who he was giving the money to only uh, draft eligible guys that were leaving I think they might have been okay I'm not sure but he was not it was uh, turns out he was being yes. pretty indiscriminate about yes. who was getting the, getting the cash which I'm sure the but, players uh, appreciated to, but to, to the uh, penalties yeah. I
2: agree and you know I, I guess I applaud LSU for my air quotes like you have applauded LSU for you know, trying to meet the NCAA, not halfway, maybe a third of the way and seeing if they can get away with it. You know, the NCAA has deemed these level one, a level one accusations or whatever the term is there. Uh, But I, the, the scholarship reduction isn't much. This isn't basketball where you have 13 scholarships and you're, you're docked four. That's a killer right there. I mean, over for a football season four per year over two years is not that big a deal. The recruiting visits not that big a deal. So I'm with you. I think they will be hand, they'll, they'll be more coming down the pike.
1: And I think I don't want to get into a big picture existential college sports discussion right now. I've talked enough about this, you know, for years. But I think it's 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 interesting to me that the the tone of the reaction to these pieces has changed a lot in that people recognize more and more that these are bad rules. I mean, you know, I don't have any real outrage for, you know, somebody decided to pay someone money to have their kid come play. They wanted to provide whatever. Like, the rules are bad. You're breaking bad rules. You're going to get penalized for that. But, like, you know, this whole, oh, they're, you know, oh, these dirty cheaters. I just don't I, – I I, I I say – I. In the time right now, I save my outrage for things that actually get me mad. Not one person wanting to give money to someone for, you know, services. Right, right. With the, I, with the, I'm not, I, I, I get that it's against the rules, but the rules are so bad that I just, you know, they broke the rules, but I, I just, I'm not really uh, sort of angry about it. I probably would be if I was a coach trying to recruit against that, but just, you know, chase right, I think with the <laughs> LSU
2: basketball, it's the same reaction. It's not really, oh, these guys are getting – money to go to LSU it's the audacity and how brash will Wade is breaking these rules like we just mm-hmm. come kind of chuckle at it that you know he's he's not really trying to hide it I mean I know he is but he's been caught on tape and that just that ties into this it's just not a great time for I, I say that not a great time for LSU athletics but they just won a national championship with one of the greatest teams ever uh, but ha- how quickly things can change and and we, we can kind of start if ready to move on talk they've got a very big game this week we talked a couple weeks ago about certain programs that had pressure on them lsu has a mm-hmm. lot of pressure on it this weekend david looks like they could be starting a true one of two two true two, freshmen at quarterback uh, playing a south carolina team that's rejuvenated renewed enthusiasm there so it's not a huge slate of games but this one's intriguing as south carolina goes to lsu
1: it is. You know, I think, like I said before, I think it's, uh, you know, before we get to LSU, I think it's interesting too, you know, when LSU or when the USC stuff was coming down or the Miami stuff, it was like, oh, these people are the scum of the earth. It's like, you don't really hear that now. And I think that's that's progress at least. But LSU, big picture, you know, we, we talked about this a few weeks ago on the show. The Chiswick track, <laughs> I mean, can you get a worse. You know, nine months since you won the national championship. You know, you go hire Bo Pelini. Okay, like Bo hadn't been doing much, and you know he's been in uh, Youngstown at FCS, you know, being a head coach for a while. But you know, he hadn't tried to stop a lot of these offenses in a while, and it's going really poorly on that front. And now you've got Miles Brennan, who's been he's been fine, he's been good. But now, uh, as our colleague Brody Miller reported earlier this week, uh, a torn muscle in his abdomen. That sounds like they're not sure how serious that is. It sounds like they think it could be a long term thing, which is, you know, when you look at that offense, you look at the disaster on the defensive side of the ball. That's a pretty much a worst case scenario. You know, Max Johnson, DJ Finley competing; they'll probably both play this weekend um, against uh, South Carolina. But it uh, just—it's just a a deluge of just terrible things over and over uh, for LSU. And we saw more of that on Wednesday. You know, obviously the injury, and then and then this NCAA stuff. On top of that, what do you make of where Coach O is at at LSU right yeah, now? Yeah, for
2: a coach who who kind of coaches with a chip on his shoulder because he's been doubted his whole career, and then he finally breaks through last year. But then you had people saying and, and making good points that greatest team ever. Let's see if you can sustain like other programs have, like Alabama mm-hmm. has. Ohio State, Clemson, and even Georgia. Georgia hasn't broke through and won yet, but they've been a consistent top five team every year. And he goes out, he says the things he said in the preseason about losing Dave Aranda and how the defense looks better than ever, and the defenses looked worse than ever probably at LSU. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a haunting at, quote, to at, say at, uh, it's looked, It hasn't looked worse. I can't remember a, a worse LSU defense in the past you know, decade or two. Um And, you know, I I think you might have said this, Andy Staples might have said this, I've listened to so many podcasts this week, so many athletic podcasts, but, uh, (laughs) you know, the Bo Pelini's got a little bit of a John Chavis to him, like uh, a once highly regarded, well-respected coordinator who, if you really look at the numbers of late, hasn't been very good. John Chavis wasn't good at Texas A&M, was awful at Arkansas, but everyone remembered him from his LSU and his Tennessee days as, you know, a really good coordinator, and I don't know what needs to be done there with Bo Pelini and that defense, but they've been awful. And South Carolina doesn't come in with a ton of weapons, but Shai Smith's a good player. They've been running the ball well. Uh, and they, they could give up 30-plus points at home to LSU, I mean to South Carolina. And when you don't have your starting quarterback and you've got a, a true a true freshman quarterback, can you score 30 points on South Carolina? They're going to need to score some points to win this game.
1: Yeah. Mitch, I have some ideas about what can be done. Around around, around Big Twelve country, they call that the Mike Stoops. Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
1: Elsewhere on The Athletic uh, today, I had a story. I've been working on this story for like over a year. Uh, I wish we had a video podcast, but uh, check it out on The Athletic if you haven't seen it. But basically... Uh, there's a very famous photo- photograph of these fans who have been maced and, uh, you know, slammed to the ground by the cops. And they're still celebrating Tennessee's 1995 route of Alabama uh, on the third Saturday in October uh, in-, in Birmingham. And uh, this photo is pretty famous. The Tennessee fans probably know it. Maybe some Alabama fans do. If you don't, check it out on our site. Um, but... Uh, It is a legendary photo, and I found some folks that were in the photo, and they talked about that night, just an insane night on the football field, and then, of course, the extracurricular activities on the field after the game and the late nights. Mitch, what did you make of of their tale? First
2: of all, good read, and I was ashamed to say I don't remember that photo. I I graduated – I've lived in Tennessee – for all but two years since 1989, my freshman year in college, I lived in New York for two years. Mm-hmm. After college, I moved back in '95, so I was here for the '95 season. But I guess I didn't look Twitter. I didn't look at Twitter, you know, in '95, so I, I didn't. I didn't see it. On, <laughs> so I, I didn't remember. I remember the game, but I didn't remember the photo. I had two quick thoughts looking at that photo. One is how far we have come with the quality of team gear. Just like, I mean, that's just some really <laughs> ugly hats and shirts and nothing to do with the color there I'm just talking about the the design you know so Nike or Adidas where well, all those companies come a long way and no cell phone footage if, they, if this was now there would be you know there would be probably oh, yeah. 30 different people would have been uh, videoing what happened there and that's what makes the photo so iconic that it was someone caught it so yeah fun story and we don't want to spend too much time on this but why don't you take us through how, how did you track some of those people down
1: so I started working on this about a year and a half ago and uh, I just I had seen that photo like Tennessee fans, like a lot of Tennessee fans have it as like their Twitter background or you see it kinda when something good happens at Tennessee. And I found the guy the, the guy the the uh, the famous gif at the old Miss. Game that was a great a years that was a great He's sort story. of the, he's sort of the symbol for when something bad happens in Tennessee, but I think a lot of Tennessee fans see this photo as like sort of their attitude as a fan. Uh, in some ways, and so I was like, oh, man, I got to track these people down, and I just got nowhere, I got, I couldn't find it, and I got nowhere, and then around, I kind of kept making some calls, kept asking around, and I just couldn't get anywhere on it, and I was like, man, that sucks, Um, but I, you know, usually have, like, 10 some stories I'm working on, it's a little different now, because it's a pandemic, and uh, it's different now, but anyway, uh, and then, like, in March, I got, I can't remember, uh, somebody tipped me off, I got a tip, and they're like, "Hey, I know one of the guys in this photo because somebody had brought that photo back up, and they knew like I kind of do stories like this." And somebody DM'd me and said, "Hey, I know one of the guys. You should write about this." And I'm like, "Funny you say that. I've been trying to write about this for a long time, and then I just sort of started uh, peeling the onion, talking to people, tracking people down, and what uh, what we got was a really fun story um, about a a much more fun chapter." In Tennessee football, and, and one of the main guys I talked to you know, said like he would get maced again and spend a night in jail if it meant beating Alabama one more time. I don't know that Tennessee's going to get that this week, but uh, <laughs> the fourth Saturday in October should be an Was it the first game.
2: time in your uh, storied journalistic career that you've used the word butt and not spelled it B-U-T in an opening paragraph?
1: <laughs> in a lead, I think. There's a lot of butt talk in the first <laughs> paragraph, and uh, I, I, I appreciated it, so... You know, I think that's like that's a good jumping off point to talk about. You know, this uh, weird fourth Saturday in October ball game. I think the big thing I want to see from from Tennessee is, you know, I I don't want to say they gave up in the fourth quarter or in the second half against Kentucky, but the fight was not there. The effort that was not a hundred percent effort. Is their fight there against an Alabama team that's going to bring it? And then, of course, the you know, is there a changing of the guard at the quarterback spot? You know, Jared Garantano is still competing. I think he'll start. I think he's going to have maybe the shortest leash of any quarterback in America this week. Um, but I, those are the two things I want to really look at in this game. Is we know what Alabama is. We know they're going to come in and score some points. But is there fight out of Tennessee? And is this the is this the last time we see Garantano? My gut says probably not. But if they start Harrison Bailey and he plays well against an Alabama off or Alabama defense that can give up some points. This might be the changing of yeah, the
2: guard this week. There's a lot of pressure on Garantano in the offense because, like you said, you have to score p- points to beat Alabama. This isn't a game where they can kind of come out and feel their way and hope it's 7-3 midway through the second quarter. They, they're going to they're mm-hmm. gonna have to do some things offensively, and I know he's a mentally tough kid, and he keeps bouncing back, and, and Josh Kendall called him affectionately uh, the, the cockroach of the SEC. <laughs> but yeah. the first time he – we go with the
1: Twinkie <laughs> of the SEC. That's probably more that's probably more uh, yes. more uh You know, that first time
2: he <laughs> drops back on third and eleven and he's mm-hmm. I don't care who you are, you've got to be thinking bad thoughts. It's like something bad's gonna happen there. So uh, I'm with you. Just how does Tennessee respond? That was a soul crushing defeat. It wasn't a 21-17, turn the ball over. Well, they did turn the ball over, just some bad things happened, bad luck. They, they got crushed in the second half and thing about Alabama offensively they've had four three and outs all year Tennessee had three three and outs against Kentucky in a row in the second half and another possession that was basically a four and out they got a first down and then a three and out and they have to be able to run the ball they have to be able to hold the ball to have a chance there's been some Tennessee teams that you know that Lane Kiffin year, and there's there's been some Tennessee teams that on paper you go into this game and say there's no way, and they they fought uh, one of Butch Jones teams down in in Tuscaloosa did that. This is this is a big spot though, you know. Alabama smells, they smell blood. They they know they're playing a wounded Tennessee team, and I, I'm with you too. I don't think any of us expect Tennessee to win this game, but how do they respond after what was just a really difficult week in Knoxville?
1: You know, looking at Ole Miss Auburn, Ole Miss is, is kind of what we thought Auburn was going to be. You know, and I want to see can Auburn snap out of it against an actual awful defense? You know, I was pretty high on Bo Nix before this season started. 13th in the SEC in passer rating. Of quarterbacks with enough pass attempts, 64th out of 71 uh, in, in a, on CFPstats.com, uh, my stat purveyor of choice. If there was ever an opportunity for Auburn's offense to. Get right. It's now. What do you make of this old Miss-Auburn Yeah, game? quarterbacks
2: who aren't afraid to throw an interception. You know, last week, Bo Nix with three interceptions, and they were all costly. South Carolina scored 21 points off those interceptions. And, you know, I watched every snap of that game, and it's you never know how games are going to go. But if Auburn takes care of the ball – and Bo Nix doesn't turn it over. They win that game. They move the ball up and down the field in the first half, and it's one of those. You let, they let South Carolina stay in the game, and then South Carolina made some plays, and and before you know, it's the fourth quarter, and South Carolina has the lead. So there's there's pressure on Bo Nix, and you know, last week. Uh, you know, uh, six Matt Corral six interceptions. These two quarterbacks threw nine picks last week, and I kind of wanted to look that up. As you know, anecdotally, just watching games, it seems like there's more interceptions in the SEC, and you may ex- might expect that because there's no doubt there's been more passing yards. But they are an average of two point one interceptions per game this year in the SEC. Last year in SEC games, one point four interceptions per game. So that number's definitely up. Now there are some more passing attempts, but. uh, just guys make taking chances or just more maybe introducing Mike Leach and Lane Kiffin back into the league leads to that (laughs) but it's a lot's been written about it Stu Mandel had a story earlier in the week on our site about the the passing offenses so I think this could be a a fun game I think it's the all the pressure is on Auburn here I don't see Ole Miss being sure they want to win games but this is the first year of Lane Kiffin Matt Corral is still a young quarterback. They're growing as a program. Auburn's not growing as a program. This is this is a game that they need to win.
1: Mm-hmm. I would agree, and I think uh, you know that picks certainly. KJ Costello has put his fair share in that in that bucket. I think uh, you know, Missouri is an interesting team. I think it was very easy to kind of write them off when they got uh, just pounded by Tennessee. And now, you know, they've got a couple wins on the docket. LSU, it's tough to know what to make of that win. But Connor Bazelak, fourth in the SEC in passer rating, right behind, uh, I believe it's Mond, Trask, and Mac Jones. Third in completion percentage. This is a huge test for him. Kentucky's defense is the the best one that he's faced this year, I think. Uh, Better than Alabama. What does that look like? Uh, Against a Kentucky defense, I can tell you, they were all over Tennessee's passing game. The quarterbacks did not play well, but Kentucky's secondary came to play in that ball game. And so my big thing is I want to see what Basilak has to offer. You know, this guy, I like what I've seen from him. I think he can really be a great quarterback moving forward as he gets more experience. But this is a game that that, that you can make, it can make you wonder. And I think what he does in this game is going to tell us a lot about Bazelag. Yeah, I agree.
2: Pressure. This surprised me. I looked, Kentucky has won five straight. In this series, I knew they they stole one in Columbia two years (laughs) ago, Uh, and it just seemed to be it was more it was a a closer matchup there. But for both of these programs, you just look at the the food chain in the SEC East. Every year, this is almost a must win for both these programs if they want to get to where they want to be in that upper tier of the SEC East. I'm going to flip it around a little bit. I want to see Missouri. I know. They've had issues on the defensive line. What was the, heading into the LSU game? There were you know, only two scholarship defensive tackles. I'm sure they've, because of COVID they've gotten healthier there. But you, you don't want to be weak on the defensive line when Kentucky's rolling into town with that offense the way they run the ball. And, and before, David, we were talking about all these passing attacks. Last eight wins for Kentucky, they've averaged 70 yards passing per game. That's that's unheard of in college football. (laughs) This year, they've won two games throwing 107 in 73 yards. They are going about it differently. They kind of sure they would like to be able to throw the ball better. Every you know, Eddie Grant would love to be more balanced offensively, but they know who they are and they can do it effectively. And going back to the Kentucky Tennessee game, I think that's if you're an offensive coordinator, one of the most gratifying thing has to be the other team knows what we're going to do and we're going to do it, and they can't stop us. And that's what happened in Tennessee. I think that's what I'm going to be watching. Mm -hmm. What can Missouri do defensively to stop this rushing attack of Kentucky that's been so potent?
1: It's a good point. We will find out. Well, thank you guys for listening. That's today's show. Uh, Again, you can check out all of our work. Check out the story that we were talking about. Uh, If you're not a subscriber to The Athletic already, you should change that, theathletic.com backslash grits. And you can get access to everything on our site. Uh, all of our college football team, you know, we're, what, 40, 50 strong. The fact that I can't even count it tells you how deep our roster is right now. And then, of course, our writers from the West Coast to the U.K. And uh, we've we got a writer in Australia now. So uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for uh, subscribing. Again, if you like the show, subscribe to the show. Uh, leave us a rating. Uh, tell a friend. It all helps. So for Mitch Light, I am David Ubbin. Thank you, guys. We'll see you again tomorrow. John Hayes making some picks in the SEC.